Come on. It's not by just watching. That's not how we fight our battles. We don't even necessarily fight so much by talking as we do by kneeling. When we humble ourselves and we repent, we turn to the Lord. That's when we see revival. That's when we see breakthrough. That's when we see victory. So right now, let a let a just a wash over of repentance happen in every home, in every heart, in every place that's streaming, in, in every individual that's here right now. Lord, I thank you, God. This is how we fight our battles. We're not going to win, God, by any other means or way other than through the repentance and, and, and the consecration of and, and the dedication of our lives to you. And Lord, I thank you, God. We're turning. We're adjusting. We're fixing our course. And God, you're going to lead us and guide us. You know, one of the things that the enemy feels like he, he's taken away is this. We were singing about the altar. And that's what this, this is not a stage. This is not a platform. This is, this is an altar. It was never meant to be an elevated space that would just overlook people. It was meant to be a place that just could enhance the amount of space for people to come to the altar and come to Jesus and say, I need to, I need to humble myself. I need to, I need to find Jesus. That's why we came tonight. That's why you're streaming tonight is because we came to humble ourselves and say, God, there's, there's something greater. There's something powerful. And, and you're going to receive something so good tonight. God's going to do a great work. Um, if you're tuning in online and you weren't able to make it in person, share this right now. Tag 10 people uh, because somebody's life is about to be changed. If you're in here or you're standing online, be seated in the name of Jesus. We're going to get right into the word and what God has for us. Find somebody near you and tell them it's good to see you. Now tell them, now tell them from a distance. excited for tonight our first wednesday night service of the month first wednesday night in a while it's really good to be back uh, and just have an opportunity for those here and online and our youth and our kids and every room in this building being utilized uh for the kingdom for god and for his glory and so it's it's super exciting to see what god's going to do because i I don't want to just have church so if I fight, can we just, can we come in here and get ready to see what God can do? The impossible, like what, 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 let's, let's go somewhere. I feel like I'm talking to the, to the choir, right? Is this the choir here tonight? Somebody starts singing out there, but we're, 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 we're ready, right? Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, cause I feel like God wants to do a great work. And so I want you to open your Bibles to Zephaniah. So you're going to go to the old Testament, right? And if you're scrolling, you're going to go from Genesis, scroll past Psalms, past Proverbs, then you're going to start getting into some major prophets, then you're going to start seeing all these little books, do, 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 do. not Zechariah, but Zephaniah. Of course, we're two things at this church. We're a note-taking church. We don't come to just watch the show. If you want to watch a show, go home and turn on Netflix. But if you want to be a part of this, I got an option for you to be engaged in discipleship because this is an engaging process. We don't gauge how well we're doing off of viewership or attendance. I gauge it off of discipleship, which is how many people have been baptized? How many people have accepted Jesus? How many volunteers per, per, per member do we have? How many people are joining the church? How many people are engaged in this and not just watching Pastor Land and pull another rabbit out of the hat? This is not what the show. This is an engagement of discipleship. And so we have seven or 800 people who attend this church. We're two and a half years old. And by the time we're 20 and 30 years old, we could be tens of thousands. We could be just 900, just a couple of, whatever it looks like. Are we doing discipleship right? Are, are we, are we growing in a healthy way? So make sure you take good notes. I don't want to, I don't even have a mic to throw. I was about to say the mic joke, but I don't even have a mic to throw. I'll throw a pen or something. I, oh, I have this heavy lock up here. There we go. We can use that. Um, make sure you're taking notes. And then, of course, we know to be an, uh, how to be an expressive church because we're not a quiet church. Somebody said a good amen. amen. Okay, great. So how many are, are at Zephaniah chapter 1? Say a good amen. amen. All right, we're doing good. We're starting off warm. Okay, 
So I'm going to take this kind of verse by verse, and we're going to walk through this. Can I read to you something that doesn't sound good? I'm going to ask everybody online, and nobody said yes in here. One person said, come on. Everybody's like, no, why would we come to church here? This is terrible. Uh, can I read you something that doesn't sound good? Because every time a pastor gets up on stage, the pastor feels the pressure to preach the good parts of the Bible. And But if we never preach the other 75% of the Bible, you're, we're going to create disciples who don't know how to live for Jesus. So if I only tell you all the fluff and the ice cream and the whipped cream of the Bible, you'll never really get to the meat of what you need. So th- this, is, this is not going to be pretty. What I'm going to read to you is not, and Zephaniah is harsh. We would call it salty. Like he's not a, he doesn't seem like a nice guy. And, and Zephaniah, in this passage, uh, I'm going to continue uh, what we're doing with mixed materials. Everybody say mixed materials. And, and we're, we're going to talk about that because we've been talking about mixed materials and we're talking about idols and images and ideals and illusions. Raise your hand if you've been enjoying this series that we've been on. Okay, amen. Good. Praise God. So we're going to continue this. I'm going to do another piece to this puzzle. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the book of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, we talked about uh, uh, we talked about some incredible pieces of the Bible that God is trying to show and reveal to us that it's a little bit deeper than we thought. And, 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 and then it also, it, it goes farther than we thought. We think idol worship is just a finding an idol of gold lying around or, or, or in a foreign country. But the uh, idol worship has been a part of the beginning all the way to the end and today. And, and I could, you know the story of, 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 of the 10 plagues? Okay. All right, here we go. I thought I was talking to quiet. I'm going to walk out here. Y'all know the story of the 10 plagues of Egypt. Say amen. Just yes, hallelujah, praise God, something. Uh, but we, we, you know the ten plagues, right? Did you know that the ten plagues were a direct attack from God to false idols and false gods? That, that, that was a direct attack on them. Did you know that when God was trying to lead them out of Egypt and into the promised land, he talked about seven different tribes, and those seven different tribes represent false gods and idols and spirits that they had to overcome? And so we, we that it, through, uh, it started all the way back there, and it's all going all the way into Revelations, and it goes all the way into today, where we make, uh, it, it's easy, because it's where we direct our worship, right? We learn that. What you worship is what you become, because you were created to worship. And when you worship something, you give your time, your talent, your treasure, your love towards it, and your love is your worship, because unspoken love is not love. So now when I do, when I show love towards something, I I need to be careful because I need to make sure my worship belongs to him first. He's not saying don't love other, don't love people, don't love. He said above everything else, love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength. Love the Lord your God with everything first. On that, you can hang everything. You got to do that first. And then, then everybody else can get the love and the time, the parts of your talent. But the best belong to him. And so it's throughout all scripture, it's through our lives, and I hope you've been asking some questions. Do I have some voices? Do I have some idols in my life? Do I have some things I need to deal with? Have we been able to get down and roll our sleeves up and do some dirty work the last couple weeks to say, hey, there's some things I've been dealing with, right? Okay, so let's get into this. It says, I will utterly consume everything. That's his first verse. He just starts off. He gives his history of who he is. And who he is, uh, uh, Zephaniah, is a descendant of, of kings, but also a prophet. And he is in the time of King Josiah. But King, young King Josiah just took over after his father and grandfather, who were horrific, terrible. Uh, uh, Manasseh was one of the worst kings of idol worship and brought all the idols into the temple of God. He was, it was horrible. But the Bible says that Josiah turned his heart towards God with a fire that led the whole nation towards God in repentance like no one will ever do again. That's what they say about Josiah. No one will ever be as on fire for God like Josiah. There was never one like him and nor will there ever be a person like him again. 
That's what God said about Josiah. How many would like a cool report about God every once in a while about yourself? There's never going to be somebody like you because when you start living for Jesus, when you start turning your heart to God, all of a sudden your story goes from some story that nobody knows to a story that will live through the ages. And at the end of Zephaniah, I'm going to show you, God is the one who came up with fame first. We, we tend to put that F word in the wrong category. But fame can be a good thing when you're walking with Jesus. Because he ends up getting the glory. We'll get there in a little bit. But he starts off and he's, he's prophesying because he's, he's trying to prophesy. And this prophecy that he gives in just three short chapters. The prophecy he gives, Josiah takes hold of and turns the whole nation back to God. So this is how important it is. The whole nation. Can somebody hear me? Josiah got a hold of this message right here and turned a whole nation back to God. How many have been praying, God, help us turn our nation back to you? We, we, have, we have been praying this, calling this, wishing this, hoping this. God, we need a revival. But, but it, it's got to happen through the right process. God has a process. Everybody say there's a process. So he says, I'm going to utterly consume everything. From the face of the land, says the Lord, I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and the, stum and the stumbling blocks along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. That's what he starts off. Greetings from Zeph. Just want to say hello. How many start off with love you? Hope your day. How many take? How many put like at least one or two emojis in every text just to make sure people know you're not angry? Go ahead, go ahead, raise your hand. Come on, you sinners online. Go ahead, and raise, go ahead and say, "Yep, that's me." Because uh, we, I, every once in a while, I'll just make sure like it's some kind of emoji just to make sure like, "Hey, I'm not mad at you, but right." And uh, but I'll put a smiley face in there or something. You know, Zephaniah starts off with no smiley face, no emoji, no no nice words. He says, "I'm going to destroy you." Because it's always easy to deliver a good word. It's not always because it takes real leadership to deliver the right word. Because how many would ignore a light word? Light. How many would ignore a very light, easy word? Hey guys, something might happen. Get ready. Like, okay, sure. How many, if you heard God is going to kill you and your whole family if you don't get your life together? Like, excuse me? He's, he's trying to get their attention. So he starts off, and he gets their attention for sure. And then he says, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So this is a, like the siege is about to happen. Then they're going to go into captivity, into Babylon. And he says, I will cut off every trace of Baal. How many know what Baal is? Baal is an idol. Remember? Go back to Exodus. Remember they made a golden calf? They worship Baal. I want you to write this down if you don't know. B-A-A-L. Baal. You need to know. So Baal was an idol. And they worshiped this idol. He says, I'm going to cut them off. The names of the idolatrous priests with the pagan priests, those who worship the hosts of heaven on the housetops, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but also swear by Milcom. Okay, I want you to see this. He says, because it sounds like there's a mixed signal going on here. It says, those who worship the host of heaven... Isn't that good? Housetops. And he says, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord. How many make a covenant with Jesus? Come on, everybody in here, you say amen. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> you're in a covenant. You're in, you're in an agreement with Jesus. You're in, a, you're, in a, you're in a relationship. And it sounds good. It sounds like, oh, they're doing this. They're, 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 they're worshiping on top of their houses. They're worshiping God. The hosts of heaven. Let's give God glory they're in front of everybody. But they're also worshiping Milcom. Somebody say mixed materials. So I, I, I'm going to worship God out here so everybody can see me, but I'm also going to worship this guy over here. I'm also going to worship God. I'm going to go to church on Wednesday and Sunday, but I'm also going to go ahead and worship my pride on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to worship God out in front and act like a Christian and be super saved and super religious. And I'm going to be one of those people. But then I'm really just as mean as a rattlesnake when everybody I, I'm, 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 I'm hateful. I'm rude. I'm, I'm arrogant. And, and we, we, all, we also have this other side. You know where Milcom comes from? You know, the, remember when I taught about Sodom and Gomorrah and how God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's wife 
was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, and she tur- and I remember it was the message, Dorothy, don't look back. And, do- and she looked back, and she turned into a pillar of salt. And then her two daughters went and began to get their father drunk and then had sex with their father and then had two sons, right? Moab and Ammon. This is the God that came from that. So now we're talking about, uh, I'm talking about a long time. We're going stretching all the way back to the beginning of Genesis. Now all the way here into the, the new, or not, almost into the New Testament. We're getting to Zephaniah before the captivity. And they're worshiping that same because someone decided just, let's just, a little, well, we'll take it with us. We'll just, it doesn't, it's not that bad. We'll just kind of keep it along. The longer you keep it, the worse it gets. The more you continue to coddle your idols and act like they're not important and act like it's just, oh, it's just pornography. Oh, it's just, it's just this. Oh, it's just, you know, I want to please God, but I don't want to do all of what you're saying. And so we, we just kind of, we pick and choose. And now this horrible trend, this, by the way, Milka was, uh, uh, he had like the head of a bull and the body of a man. Everybody say mixed materials. How many have we looked at somebody and said, gosh, they're so good. It's like they're not even human. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be like. Y'all don't even know how? Mike. I want to be like Mike. Michael Jordan. The dude, when he flew from the free throw line, I was like, he's not human. He's half angel. Something's about him. I want to be like Mike. I literally, at that age, I asked my parents if I could legally change my name to Michael. Because I just wanted to be like Michael Jordan. Because we'll, we'll take people, and we'll take some things, and we'll take some pieces and parts, and we'll go in. We'll idolize a pastor. We'll idolize a leader. We'll idolize a president. We'll idolize a king. And we'll take them and say, there's something. We'll idolize uh, the pope, the priest. We'll idolize people, and we'll put them in a place and say, they must be more than just average they're greater than that. And we worship because we start mixing things. And this God, he, he was really evil. This is where child uh, 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 sacrifices came from. Killing babies started with this God. Uh, I, I'm, can I go there? It, it, killing babies started here. In what century are we going to decide to overcome this idol when, when are we going to decide that we are the sons and daughters of jesus christ and that he said you will do greater this you will deliver he delivered a man full of legion of demons and he saved and he healed and he he rebuked the winds in the storm and he lived with power and authority when are we going to step up and say oh no 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 more you're not going to do that anymore we don't do that here because god values life he never asked for human sacrifice. And I want you to be very, I want you to understand that. Not with Isaac and not with Jesus because Jesus is what? God in the flesh. So you need to understand that that was never God's, not part of God's plan. It's not who he is. So then it says, those who have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. He said, be silent. In the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. Somebody say there's something there. I want you to see that there's something there. I want you to mark it in your Bible. We'll come back to it. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. Say there's something there. Come on, I want you to see this. He has invited his guests and it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children. So now it almost looks like he's mixed signals here. He says the Lord is good and he's prepared a sacrifice and he's, gonna, he's invited his guests and then it turns the corner and it says he's going to punish princes and he's going to punish king's children. Remember when I told you Josiah was a descendant of kings? Josiah was speaking to his peers because he was a descendant from someone who had a lot of idol worship. And he said, if you keep carrying on what your parents handed down to you, and make it the excuse of why you do it, God's going to deal with you too. Because the, the excuse of this is how I was raised will only last so long. And he was speaking to his peers. He was speaking to himself. He was, he was talking, to, he was a prince and a prophet. And he's saying, hey, 
I, 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 got, I got stuff, and I need to deal with this. I need to make sure that these, these idols don't continue in my life and in my family. I got to stop it right here. And he says, all and all such as are clothed, I want you to underline this, with foreign apparel. And we've taught about a little bit about this. What are you covering yourself with? What are you, how do you clothe yourself, right? It's just kind of like you're picking out clothes, right? You know, you want to look good. You have your own style. Some of you guys want to look, you know, like the studious type and look like got the nerd look coming back in. Some of us want to look like, you know, the athlete. Some of us want to look like a professional doctor. Some of us want to look, whatever it may look like, you have that look that you want to do. And you, you clothe yourselves because you want to identify yourselves as such. And these guys were identifying themselves with because they were ashamed with being a Hebrew. They were ashamed with being Jewish. They were ashamed with, with being known as the nation of Israel. They were ashamed of the way they looked, so they decided, I'm going to dress like them. I'm going to look like them. So Babylon didn't even need to teach them how to redress because they were already trying to look differently anyways because they were ashamed of who God created them to be. Can somebody please help me preach right now? Because you, can you see where I'm going? This is a huge piece of our identity, of our direction, of the vision, of the purpose in our life where we just want to constantly put on all these other garments of what the world and what other people and what the enemy and what the devil tells us and how we would just grew, what our parents told us. This is who you are, what our youth pastor told us. When, we were, when I was 18 years old, my youth pastor looked at me and said, you'll never amount to anything. And I could have put that garment on and decided that in that moment. What are you wearing? How long have you been wearing it? Because we're, we're putting on things that we, we, we didn't even know. Do you dress the way... I remember... <laughs> And I've told this story before. When I was younger, I would wear like FUBU and Pure Players. I had a chain. It was all like back in the day, it was all about how long your chain hung. And I had like a chain, like it was stupid. And it spun. One of them had like a cash money millionaire sign. If I, then some of y'all don't know what that is. So then it had that. And I, like I had like all this. I just dressed. I had do-rags. I had everything. I, I, I looked like Malibu's Most Wanted. I, I, it was sad, to be honest. The pictures I look, I, when I went to prom and like homecomings, like the long zoot suit looking like, you know, gangster, only white kid in the picture. <laughs> I'm like, I took out like a sore thumb, like who, what is this? He's the odd guy in the group, crazy one. When I got to college and at Bible college, I, I kept dressing like that. They were like, hey, Mr. Merrill, we're going to pick you up at the airport. Okay, great. They were like, what will you be wearing? I'll be wearing all red, son. That's all I wear. I'm wearing all red. I got a red, I'd explain, this is how I sounded. I'm wearing a red shirt. I'm wearing red shorts. I'm wearing red shoes. Be on time. Click. Because <laughs> I, I, I wore my environment. I became what others wanted me to be. And when I got into college, I didn't know who, I, all of a sudden I found Jesus and I found that I had value and I found that I had purpose and I found that he loved me just the way I was. I found out that I had, I, there was something to my life and I had, there was a significance to my life. And, and, and when I started finding that, I started seeing like, why, why, why do I dress this way? Why can't I just be me? Why can't I wear what I want to wear? Because honestly, I like loafers and khaki shorts and a polo. <laughs> like, why can't I just wear some tennis shoes and a t-shirt? That's what... Why can't, why can't you, why aren't, why aren't you valuing who God created you to be in, in your identity, in your sexuality, in your mindset, in your attitude, in your mannerisms, in your personality? Just because life taught you to walk that way doesn't mean God wanted you to walk that way. Because God has a different way for you to look, different way for you to act, different way for you to be, because he's got a greater identity. They were ashamed of their own identity. How could he tell them God's going to deliver us before he told them you got to get back to loving God and who you are in God? This seems like a dark scripture, but to me, I see the light in it. He says, then he says something very interesting. He said, in the same day, I will punish those who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. What does that mean? 
Somebody say, tell me, preacher. I, you know, I was wondering too. I was reading that. I'm like, what is going on here? I know what a threshold is. We all know what a threshold is of a door, right? There's a threshold. There's a threshold. There's a threshold. There's a threshold and, and of course, most of the time, what you see is a big piece of wood, a stone, whatever it is, just a lip of going from the door, right, outside, inside. And so that was the threshold. You remember the old, uh, like the little thing, don't step on the crack or you'll break it. And you always try to skip the cracks when you're walking around or you'll break your mother's back. This is where that comes from. Because the reason that they would jump over a threshold is because they believed that there were spirits from the outside to the inside that if you stepped on it, they'd grab you and drag you. And that you could drag some into your home with you. So this was superstition. Everybody say superstition. And we all like can look at that and say, that's stupid. How many have ever spilled salt and thrown a little over your shoulder? Come on, you liars. Some of you did. Or, or you, you were like, you, you, you do all the little things. How many wear specific socks on game day? I'm going to ask my football. Or, or, or like, yeah, go ahead. Right? We wear, yeah. I, I would do how many wear, like you got this. We have these supers. How many have ever, if a black cat starts crossing, you're like, nope, 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 nope. And whoo, and you just try to get in front of it because you're not going to let it cross you, right? You break a mirror, you're like spitting twice and rolling around three times. Like, no, 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 no bad luck, no bad luck, right? It's talking about superstition because they said, you, you say one thing that you trust God, but you work in superstition in the other. You, you act like super, you, 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 you treat God the same way you treat this as if it's just a superstition. He's saying, I will punish those because you jump over your threshold, not wanting to bring anything into your house, but you treat your master's house with violence and deceit. We're mixed. I want one thing from me, but another thing for you. I want good things for my life, but not for yours. I, I, I want to operate in superstitious craziness rather than foundational truth. This gospel that you are holding in your hand is not a book of superstitious beliefs. This is the gospel truth. This is the word which we stand on. This is everything to us. This is what this is where it starts ends. Uh, it's it's everything. We need this in our life. Man, I wish I could get into all this. And he said there shall be a day that the Lord says the sound of the mournful cry at the fish gate at the second uh, wailing at the second quarter loud crouch, crashing from the hills wail you inhabitants from Makatesh fall or uh, for all the merchant people who are cut down and all those who handle money are cut off what is that talking about that whole piece money from the beginning of the fish gate to the end it's talking about money and he said all of you who worship money more than me who money is your source more than me this is, this is some serious stuff. And he's saying, you got to be careful. You got to, it shall come to pass that that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish men who settle in complacency. Do you see that in verse 12? Who settle in complacency. Have we been complacent in our faith? Have we been complacent in our, our worship? Have we been complacent in our prayer life, in our word life? Have we, have we reached, have we, what that means is, have you arrived to a place that you are comfortable with and never want to go farther? Are you complacent with where you are with Jesus? That after living all my life for Jesus, have I gotten to a place where I feel like I've reached it? I don't, there's nothing really more to know or learn. Have I become, he's looking, he says, I'm searching with a lamp for the men. And I'm going to add women in there who have become complacent in their walk with me. I want to talk to you. Why? Because there's something there. Everybody say there's something there. And then he says, and I'm going to read this last piece. He says, who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. You know, there was a book written a long time ago by Edward Gibbon, and he wrote it about Rome. And it was about the decline of Rome and the fall of Rome and what led to that. And there's three pieces about their attitudes towards religion. I want to read these three to you and see if they match up. See if you see something similar. It says, the people regarded all religions as equally true. The philosophers regarded all religions as equally false. And the politicians regarded all religions as equally useful. 
Anybody hearing something? This is what he's talking about when he says, will God do good, will God do it? Because it's just according to what I, you know, what I need him for. Chapter two, I don't have time to go into it, but chapter two talks about repentance. And then after you get to chapter two, go to chapter three. I want you to go to chapter three, verse 14. And then I want you to uh, highlight that verse 14 and then all the way to verse 20, because that's the joyful message that I want to read to you to end this. And it says, and then I'm going to bring the final point that I want you to see. He says, sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. O daughter of Jerusalem, the Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast away your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. How many know Jesus is right here with you? You shall see disaster. Hear this. This is a prophetic word. You shall see disaster no more. How many need that word today? How many want that word for our world? You shall see disaster no more. In that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear. Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. Oh, wait, how could that be? Somebody say there's something there. The mighty one will save. Somebody say there's something there. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you. I love this verse. He will quiet you with his love. How many have tried everything except for love to quiet somebody? The loudness of the world, politics, disaster, pandemics. It just grows really loud, doesn't it? He says, I'll quiet everybody with my love. There's some truth in here, some deep truth. I don't have time to go into every piece, but you've got to grab a hold of it. And he says, I will silence with my love. He said, he will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly. I need you to hear that. I'm going to read it again. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you to whom its reproach is a burden. There are people that sometimes get put in leadership that become more of a burden than a blessing. And he said, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna gather those who have been oppressed by anybody and I'm gonna take care of things from now on. There's a government, hear me say there's something there. There's a government coming to where there will be no end. And he's saying, I'm gonna gather those who've been oppressed by the assembly and I'm gonna create a new one. And he says, behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who are driven out. I will appoint all, the, all of them to praise and I will appoint all of them to praise and fame. Right here. Anybody in this place or online have big dreams? No, two people. Anybody else? Like, am I the only big dreamer in here? You want to like, I think everybody in here ought to have big dreams about who you ought to be. He said, I will appoint them. I will appoint them to praise and fame. Why? Because I need my people in the spotlight. I don't need the wrong. I need the right people in the limelight. I need the right people with the mic. I need the right people in the places of influence, at the gates of influence. I need the right people in the right positions because we're going to change the world by getting the right people in the right place. Somebody said a good amen. And God is saying, this is, we're changing. So he goes from talking about, hey, guys, you got to correct some things. Now you got to repent with some things. And now the good things are coming. And as he tells them this, he says, at that time, I will bring you back. Even at that time, I will gather you. For I will give you fame and praise. He says it again. Among all the peoples of the earth. And when I return, say there's something there. Your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. I want you to hear what I, what I read. I read that. And man, look at all the truth we talked about tonight. We could go, I could say, amen, pray with you. It'd be a great Wednesday night. Be good enough, wouldn't it? 
And I, I kept reading it, and I kept reading it, kept reading it. I kept getting more, and there's other verses and other passages. There's so much content within this one piece, and it continues to unravel and show more, and it peels back and peels back. And I just kept seeing, okay, Lord, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? And he starts off with that crazy message at chapter 1, repentance in chapter 2, rejoicing in chapter 3. And I'm saying, what is the message here? And the message that I saw from the beginning, remember when I said there's something there, and we kept pointing it out, is there were little bits and pieces of prophecy about Jesus to come because Jesus was there. Oh, come on. Somebody let me preach. Can you let me preach? Jesus was there when the correction was happening. Jesus was there when the darkness was there. Jesus was there. They said the moon will grow dark. The sun will go black. It tells a prophecy of Jesus' crucifixion. And while it may seem gory and dark and difficult to, to handle, that you can't have the resurrection without the crucifixion. You can't have deliverance without captivity. You can't have healing without pain. You can't have, you can't find out the one true God without finding out that there are all these other false gods. So don't beat yourself up that you identified all these other things that aren't the real deal. You have found who God really is. And even in today, yesterday, and forevermore, Jesus was there. He was there. He was there when you were hurting. He was there when you were in pain. He was there when it was dark. He was there when it was disappointing. He was there when it was discouraging. He was there and he never left you. He never left you when you were living in sin. He was there when you ran from him. He was there when you cursed him. He was with you on the weekend. He was with you during the weekday. Because my word says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Not even when I'm doing something stupid. He never left me. He never left me when I was wrong. He never left me when he was there when I was walking like those men on the road to Emmaus to leave because everything got too difficult. He was there when with Abraham as Abraham was defining who he was and God had to show him, I'm not the moon God, I'm the real God. You need to understand who. He was there in my journey. He was there when... The enemy tried to take life from you when the cancer came. He was there when the marriage started to fall apart. He was there when your family started to disintegrate. He was there when you lost your baby. He was there. When you look throughout this whole scripture, the rejoicing message in this whole piece is that he was there. Jesus was there in the midst the whole time, just waiting. There will be a day. And I'm going to deal with it. There's going to be a day when there's no pain anymore. There's going to be a day. There's going to be a day when I come. Because they weren't prophesying about necessarily the second coming as much as they were the first. And Jesus was about to show up on the scene. But he had to, he had to correct some things. He had to say, hey, we, I know this is difficult. I know this is hard. I know that doing a self-inventory can't be, can't be easy. But can I tell you I'm with you? Can I tell you I'm not going to leave you? Can I let you know even in the, the, some of the more gory parts of your story and difficult parts, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right here with you. See, somebody needed to hear this tonight. Because as God's speaking vision and direction and promise and hope and we can all take time to celebrate it's always good to, I, I would love to start off at the end of zephaniah and start off with all the rejoicing and the promises but he didn't start that way he started by saying there's some things we've got to get in order because god wants to do a huge blessing in our life but he can't do it while all these other things are in his place maybe god started prodding at your heart saying what are you wearing Maybe God was prodding at your heart and say, is money really that important to you? Maybe God was, pro maybe he was speaking to you and he was saying, hey guys, we need to deal with some of this superstitious stuff. You think it's harmless, but there's a depth of supernatural stuff that you don't see. Can I help you deal with things you don't know? Is that okay that we give him permission to do that? To say, God, I, I, I want you to help. How are you supposed to fix something you don't know anything about? 
Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray with you. There's something different in this house. Something different in this room. Something different on this screen today with this word. And I feel like God is stirring something. And maybe he's preparing us for something. Maybe he's just setting you up. Maybe he's affirming something. Maybe he's shoring something up in your life. Whatever it is, he's there with you. Maybe he's redirecting you. Maybe he's having to deal with some issues of complacency. I wonder if there's anybody in here who's been complacent. I wonder if there's anybody who's looked at this and said, you know, like, well, God's just good like every other God. No, he's the one true God. And his name is Jesus. There's a time where things have to really come to a head and say, okay, God, there's some things I need to deal with that I've made idols in my life. I've made, I've put it before you. I've, I've allowed it to d- distract me and detour me. I've allowed it to take me and influence me. I've allowed it to speak to me. And remember what we said about idols. Idols, if they're deaf, dumb, and blind, it's only a matter of time before you are too. Because you'll become that. No wonder you can't hear God, feel God, see God. But he gives us the key. Open your eyes real quick and pick your heads up. I want you to see this before we close. And then I'll I'll pray to close. In fact, let's stand. I'm running short on time anyway. I wish I had time to go through the whole thing. But I feel like there's just a peace in this room. I almost feel like God told me there's going to be a deliverance. That's what he told me. He said that, like, I want to set some people free. I want you to see this. I want you to imagine this as the lock over your life, right? And if you unlock it, there's potential. You can actually use this. I can't. It's useless. Locked, right? Keys are right there. There's this little stupid ring right across that just holds the keys there just for decoration, just to be cute. And I want you to see this as the enemy has got you locked up. Jesus' forgiveness is right there. The only thing you need is to repent. This little ring right here represents repentance. And the moment you repent is the moment that these keys get let loose because they're already there and available for you. This lock comes undone and you become free and free indeed. You become delivered. You become the, the, the cho- You become what God has created you. You start to live at your greater potential. But it takes, it takes saying, okay, God, I want to repent. When was the last time you repented of anything? I know it's a difficult question, but if Zephaniah was salty, I'm going to be a little bit salty, okay? When was the last time you repented? Because every believer says this, oh, I want to see revival. I want to see all men, oh, I want to see everything, our nation change, our state change. I want to see revival. I want to see revival. You'll never see revival without having repentance. Repentance is what enables you. If you have repentance, you will see revival. But you'll never have revival. You get to see revival because revival is repentance. Is somebody hearing me? Revival is through the, it doesn't come by worship, doesn't come by any other way. The Bible says that times of refreshing or reviving, revival come through repentance. I wonder if we just need to say this a Wednesday night, first Wednesday night, to dedicate our lives and say, God, I just, I'm going to repent. There's some things I know I did and some things I, I, I know I don't know. I'm at least wise enough to know I don't know at all. And I mess up without even trying. How do I get to a place where I get free? Forgiveness is here and ready. I just need to choose to let it go. I need to choose to use it. Let me pray with you. Lord, we thank you for today. For everybody here and online. Come on, saints, I want you to pray with me. I don't want to be the only one praying. You got something to pray. I mean, if your heart is there, then you're going to repent on your own. I can't repent for you. Lord, in Jesus' name, every person here and online, this is our chance to repent. The enemy is trying to bring doubt in our mind right now, discouragement in our mind right now, fatigue in our mind right now, distractions in our mind right now. The enemy is trying to speak to us, to detour us from what you have for us. But Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, let our minds get set on you, get set on things above. And I pray, God, Lord, that we would repent. God, we would turn our hearts to you. God, revival is not something we obtain. It's who we are by the life of repentance that we we live. 
And Lord, I thank you, God. We will see revival because we have repentance. And it starts with one person at a time. It starts with one church at a time. It starts with one family at a time. It starts with one couple at a time. God, I repent for not being the husband I should. God, I repent for not being the man I should have been. God, I repent for my impurity. God, I repent for my thought life. God, I repent for my stubbornness and pridefulness and my superstitions. God, I repent. I turn from my ways. I turn away. God, I repent for not being confident in who you created to me, created me to be. I, I repent for being ashamed of who you made me. There are some people who feel ashamed because of the way you came into this world. And the enemy is who put that on you. And you want to change who you are to become something different because you're ashamed. And there's only one who can wipe away the shame. There's only one who can wipe away condemnation. There's only one who can wipe away all the hurt and pain. There's only one who could take that away and then clothe you in his righteousness. And his name is Jesus. And right now, I just want you to pray, every single person here and online, Lord, I repent. I turn my heart to you. I surrender to you. I give my life and my mind to you. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. That's what this altar is for. God, you were there, God, in my darkest moments. You were there, God, Lord, when I fell. You were there when I ran. You were there when I was in pain. You were there the whole time because, Jesus, you've always been there. And you'll always be there for me. And, Lord, I turn to you wholeheartedly right now and surrender my life. And Lord, I pray right now, complacency go away in the name of Jesus. I, uh, some of you, you didn't know that that was a sin. And yet now you've heard it and now you're accountable to it. And so right now, I pray in the name of Jesus that the laziness, complacency, all of that, God, Lord, the settling in our mind, God, we would not, re- we would not get in that mode, God, Lord. We would repent of that lifestyle and run wholeheartedly to you. Lord, we thank you, God, that you're going to help us do that. You're going to guide us in that process. You're going to lead us. You're going to direct us. And Lord, we're going to be passionate for you like never before because you were there. And we're going to receive all the promises, all the promises that you spoke. God, where you're going to take us into a place where no more disaster is going to hit us. God, you're going to take us into a place, God, Lord, where everybody who's tried to oppress us, God, is going to be taken from us. And Lord, I thank you, God, Lord, that every time the enemy's attack is coming, we get to speak the promise, God, because we, God, are your people called by your name to one hope, one faith. And Lord, I thank you, God, Lord, that you are here in the midst of us. You are with us, God, right in this moment. So then when we go home, when we go to our workplace, when we go to school, when God, when we go to our family, God, we're going to take this hope with us. We're going to take this new life with us. And Lord, I thank you that new life is coming. There's a cleansing. And that's, I want you to, as your eyes are closed and you got your full focus on Jesus, I want you to feel something right now. What you feel right now, uh, the settling, the calmness, the peace almost a washing over. Let me tell you why. Because that's the Holy Spirit speaking this in this place. Speaking it in the midst of your heart. Some of you are worried about family and friends, your jobs. You're worried about your future and your finances. You're worried about your health. Right now, all that's fading. Every bit of it. Because God's in, in, in... God is on the throne where he belongs in your heart now. And Lord, I thank you. It's just, oh, I feel it. I feel that refreshing. I feel that strength. God, I feel that rejuvenation. God, I feel that energy. God, I feel that somebody's going to sleep better. Somebody somebody in here right now or online, you haven't been sleeping well. And, and the enemy has robbed you of your rest. And the Bible says the rest of the righteous is sweet. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, tonight, somebody's going to rest better than you've rested in a long time. You've been getting two and three hours of sleep. You've been waking up every couple hours, and the enemy has robbed you, and you are deprived. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray healing. I pray deliverance, and I pray you are going to get a phenomenal night's rest. You're going to wake up rejuvenated in the Holy Spirit. I think that's what tonight was all about. 
I think tonight was all about those who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. And I feel like God is going to give us rest. And Lord, we thank you for it. We give you praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God some praise. <clears throat> awesome. So great to be with you tonight. Uh, so thankful for just a good Wednesday night. You need to pick me up, right? How many meals do you eat a day? How many times did you eat spiritually a week? You know, digest, get strong, get healthy, get built up in the Lord. I encourage you, take the rest of this week and read the rest of those chapters. Read it, read it, read it, read it. And then get ready for Sunday because I'm going to preach about Daniel and the lion's den. And I want you to read it because I want you to start praying, God, show me something. God, I want, I want to see that. I want to see if you tell me the same thing you're telling him. And then when you come in here on Sunday and you got the same word as me, you'll just be amen in the whole time because God's affirming something in your life. Because secondhand revelation is good, but firsthand revelation is life-changing. And I don't want you just coming to me to be the only source of revelation in your life. You need to read the word and get the revelation in your heart. It's, it's good but it's great here. It's better. And can I share one last praise report? There was this one man uh, who called us today. And, and by the way, for those who don't know, uh, we're continuing to help. Boys and Girls Club, the homeless, the shelters, the everybody we can, our missions department and our prison ministry. We had a young man. Uh, he got dropped off in Flagstaff, had no money, got let out of prison, but he's trying to get back down to Phoenix and he's got to get there because he's serving at a church on the street and going to live with them and work with them and grow up in the ministry with them. I mean, it's going to be beautiful, but he was like dropped here, no money, Greyhound wasn't running. I got a phone call said, hey, pastor, I need help. And because of Bridge Church, we were able to get him a Greyhound ticket, get him some money, get him food in his belly, get him a place to stay. And now that young man's going to turn his life around. Why? Because we're the church. When the world calls, what do we do? Hang up or answer the call. And so we're, we're called to jump out there and say, okay, we'll take care of that. We'll take care of that too. Did God bring it to us? We'll take care of that too. Why? Because he'll never have a shortage and he'll take care of it. If he brought him to us, then we'll take care of it. And so I just wanted to celebrate with you guys because that was a phenomenal praise report. And he was just, man, tears in his eyes and just life changed on fire for Jesus. Can't wait to get down there and get going. So let's just give God some praise. I'm excited about this Sunday. Make sure you're here. Bring it. Let's have a great, wonderful weekend uh, together on Labor Day weekend. Uh, services are already filling up. But let's speak this bridge declaration together. Be dismissed. Have an incredible week, and I'll see you on Sunday. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We are so glad you joined us today. If this message spoke to you and you decided to make a spiritual decision, we would love to connect with you. You can do that by sending us an email to info at wearebridge.church and let us know that you took that step today. Also, if you are new to our Bridge Church online family, we have a very special gift that we would love to send you. You can also email us at info at wearebridge.church and share some information so we can send that gift to you. Again, we're so glad you joined us today and we can't wait to see you soon. So stay connected, because remember, we're better together. Bye, Bridge fam.